Before we get started with this week's episode, we're really excited to remind you about this cool event happening. It's an annual event at RevRoad called the RevRoad Entrepreneur Competition sponsored by Central Bank. We're giving away $14,500 in cash prizes at the event. We're looking for more applications. So to apply, if you have a startup, you want to apply for the competition, you apply at comp.revroad.com. And hurry, because applications are only open until August 13th at midnight. Again, it's comp.revroad.com. Super fun day, September 17th, 2022. You'll see all the greatest startups and all the cool companies that are building their their models and their products and their services and their technology at this one event, one of the largest competitions in the state. Hope to see you there. All right. We're excited for another week of the Midnight Founders podcast. Today, we're excited to introduce you to Mike Hayes from Lyft Energy. And we talked about a lot of good things, the grit and entrepreneurship. Mike had a couple of startups. He tried a couple of different times to get started. And and there were a lot of people kind of telling him that he wasn't going to be successful. And, and we've heard that story a bunch, uh, interviewing people and just that grit and determination that entrepreneurship requires. And also, you know, building a great team around you is a key to success. So with that, let's get started. Let's go. We are lucky to have Mike Hayes here from Lyft Energy to tell his story. So exciting. How are you, how are you guys doing? We are awesome. Be here. Yeah, we're excited Thanks to hear the story. Me. Yeah. Uh, so Mike. First thing off, let's just uh, introduce you to our listeners. They don't know you. Uh, we'd love to just have you tell kind of your background. Um, right. What got you into Lift Energy and kind of how you got started? So my wife and I moved to California in 2013, right after we got married. Yeah. Um, we actually moved out there for dental hygiene school. Oh, so every gonna, good story starts with I was going to be cleaning. Right? I was going to be cleaning teeth. <laughs> okay. Um, Here we go. That was the goal. Um, Wow. Clean I remember yeah, yeah. when That's I ink. found out that that was happening. Yeah. And I was like, no way. <laughs> like, what are you I doing? I did not Stop. see Mike. Turn a, around. You know, Make a Yui. <clears throat> it's because, and I, I think this is kind of going to lead into the podcast well, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, before my mission, I played baseball out there. I went to Taft College. Um, what position did you play in baseball? So I played shortstop my freshman year, and then they recruited a Puerto Rican, so they moved me to the outfield. Okay. <laughs> um you know, I couldn't keep up with him. But um, so I had my associate's degree, went on my mission, came home from my LDS mission, got married, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, kind of didn't want to stay in Utah. I wanted to kind of get out a little bit, just kind of get away, sure. figure things out. Um, my stepdad was a was a dentist at the time. He's like, hey, you should check out dental hygiene. So Taft had a good dental hygiene program. Mm-hmm. In Utah, it was like 70 grand to go to dental hygiene school. And in California, it would have cost me like five grand. Where do right. they have dental hygiene schools in Utah? Is that up at um, the They U do. Like Utah Valley has there's it. There's a few here There's there. a few. They have okay. programs and stuff, but they're like okay. super difficult to get into and super pricey. Um, so anyways, moved out there for that. I actually got into dental hygiene, got into the program. And right before I got into the program, I met some, some solar guys, you know, door-to-door sales guys. Oh, man, we know what's going to happen now. Yeah, so they invited me to their sales meetings and uh, started attending. Yeah. Um, Free pizza, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Sign-on bonuses. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're going to make a million dollars in four months, right? That's what they were saying. (laughs) And they kept saying that, like, the solar's free, doesn't cost the the homeowners anything. You know, they put it up at no cost, and they just start paying less. I'm like, no way. Like, this is, like, way too good to be true. Um, And I was looking at the commissions you know, what you could make if you sold a solar system. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, 
this is easy. Like I can do this all day and I'll make more. I could just make one sale a month and make more money than I am at my job. Hmm. I was working at the hardware store while we were going to school and, um, at the true value. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think I was making like nine fifty an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Even call my California, wife. I'm huh? like, we're doing this. And she's <laughs> like, no, you're not doing that. You're not doing door to door sales. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing this. So I went out like my first day and I sold like the first door I knocked on, which no way. Yeah. Which was like insane. Wow. And I'm like, I'm going to make so much money doing solar. <laughs> and then <laughs> I didn't I do sell for the rest of my life. I didn't make another sell for like a week. Right. It was so hard. I got so lucky on the first door, but, um, ended up getting my first paycheck and it was like 10 grand and just like, I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm, I'm quitting my job. I'm dropping out of school. I'm doing solar sales. So I just dove in all the way. My we wife, get we get it. You're talking to two door to door sales reps right here. Yeah. Both Jake and I both have had that experience. What'd you sell? Pest control and then living uh, living scriptures first and then pest control. Nice. Yeah. And you did Vivint, didn't you, for a yeah, little I did bit? Alarms. Yeah. yeah. So I was at Vivint. It was Vivint Solar. Um, so, anyways, that's how I got into solar. Um, did that for Vivint Solar for three years. Mm -hmm. uh, we were living in Bakersfield, California. Um, my wife actually got into dental, dental hygiene. She graduated and she's a dental hygienist, so that worked out. So she went that direction. She not went you. that direction, not me, and she <laughs> she funny. enjoys it. Um, you know, and then I, I, I just learned a lot about solar over the years. Um, and how many summers did you do it? So it was year round. It wasn't oh, a summer. You did it all yeah. The like time. I was knocking oh. on my neighbor's door, wow. setting them up with solar. Um, so it was every day I'd work, you know, Monday through Saturday, I do about six hours a day and then like eight hours on Saturday. And it was just year round. How did you stay motivated to do it year round all the time? You don't so hear they, that they paid often. really well. Okay. Um, so it was so your money motivated. That's your intrinsic motivation. Well that, but then there was bonuses you had to hit. Oh, okay. Like if you hit certain levels every quarter, mm -hmm. there were big bonuses and it was competitive. I, I'm pretty competitive, you know, so I, I always wanted to like be the best and, mm. um, that's an understatement. Yeah. Be at the top. <laughs> we, we play softball together. He's incredibly competitive. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't, the, uh, I don't get too, and stuff. I, I don't get too competitive when it comes to s slow pitch softball, but he it does. does frustrate me when like <laughs> the guy in, in slow pitch guys are like, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> trying to steal home, you know, and there's like nobody out. It's like, dude, why are you getting thrown out at home plate with like yeah. nobody out? But, um, I think, yeah. I feel like that's one of the characteristics of a, of a midnight founder is that, that drive, that competitiveness that I'm going to be yeah. on the top of my game kind of thing. Yeah. We see that a lot. So I think what no kind of led, yeah, we, what kind of led into lift energy was, um, there was a lot of things happening in the solar industry. Things were changing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll just say, I, I kind of learned the economics behind, you know, the installation and, and, you know, how much money was actually being put into these accounts. And, um, you know, so I started doing some research and, and figuring it out and, you know, asked my managers, my upper, upper level people, a lot of questions like, Hey, why aren't we doing this? Why are we doing that? You know, why does this cost this? And, you know, we should be doing, you know, doing it this way. That's, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I didn't get, I didn't get very far with them. And, uh, so I made the decision to leave Vivint Solar in 2018 and start just a sales company mm. at Lyft Energy. Um, 
so I, you know, I signed contracts with several, several other solar installers in California mm-hmm. and, uh, started using them. Um, it actually ended up being like the worst experience for me. Yeah. Totally fell flat on my face. I think like, the first company went bankrupt and oh. I didn't get paid on like two or three accounts that I'd sold. Um, just crazy things were happening. The first install company that yeah, you worked that with? I used, yeah. And then yeah. another one was using a certain finance company that would like lease the product for the homeowner and they just went belly up. And so I had like 60,000 in commissions that just out the door one day, just gone. So, ouch, that hurts. So I go running back to Vivint Solar, like, hey, you guys are right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was wrong. Um, that was the worst experience ever. Um, you know, kind of my tail tucked between my legs and, uh, sure. and, I, and then uh, I ended up <clears throat> taking a position with Vivint in New Jersey for the summer. Mm. Well, I was only out there for the summer. I'll just say that. That didn't go well for me. I, I, I struggled. I, I didn't do very good out in New Jersey and just a different market or it's a different market, that? different people. I think I was distracted. I think what it really was, I had learned too much. Mm. And, you know, so as I'm working and doing things, I'm, I'm kind of just talking to myself, like, I can do so much more. I can do more. Like, I, I know there's more here than just, you know, being a sales guy and making my sales commission. And, um, so it's kind of just in my own way. So I, I quit that came, come running back to California, started up lift energy 2.0, tried it again. And, and the second go was much better than the first go around. Um, why, what was different? I think I, the first time I was really, I was trying, I was looking for the best deal. I was, who's going to, who's going to pay me the best, you know? And what I learned the first time was I got what I, what I paid for, mm. right? Like so they were paying me the most but they also, that's why they went out of business or, you know, things like that. So I picked an installer that, you know, a company that, um, you know, not necessarily paying the most, but was fair in the compensation. I was, you know, I was fair back, right, Mm -hmm. in my request. And it was just a good, it was more of like a partnership versus, you know, what can I get from them? And I think that's when I started to see success, um, and uh <clears throat> is that common in the solar industry to have these installers or these manufacturers producers i guess and they go yeah. out and hire sales companies to come in and sell the contracts for them is that yeah it's kind of how does that work it's actually in my opinion it's kind of embarrassing like the solar industry needs to grow up a little bit um you know guys will go form an entity or an llc and there's like three dudes mm-hmm. and they 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 think they're a company, right? Just because they're selling for another company. Um, but yeah, that's typically how it works. They they then go sign on, you know, these master dealer agreements mm. with the install company. And, you know, the install company tells them, hey, we'll pay you X, you know, if you bring accounts to us. And mm. that's really the relationship. You know, they bring the sales and they do the install and then they pay the sales company. Um, I think there's a lesson to be learned with what Mike's saying, though. Like, the partnerships in any business, whether it's solar or other businesses that we've talked to, those those strategic partnerships and that trust that you have to build with those other companies that are helping you be successful are crucial. Yeah. And yeah, that, I think point. that's what changed with, with my situation is the company that, you know, I sat down with this company, you know, my second attempt. And, and 
just to back up a little bit, the the management at Vivint Solar, I mean, leaving Vivint leaving Vivint or Vivint Solar is like leaving the church. Like it's it's not easy. <laughs> and they uh they um not that I've left the church, sorry. But um they <laughs> I, uh, say, I hope you have experience yeah, on yeah. that. <laughs> it's it's a it's an amazing culture and it's really tough to walk away from, even on good, like great terms. Um, it's the golden handcuffs, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's you, you know, they do an amazing job at making you feel, you know, important and that you're good at what you do. They, um, you know, <clears throat> who you work with is also mm-hmm. a team. You know, it's a team. It's, it's, it's like a family. It's this, it's this culture that they've created. And, uh, you know, when I left... I got a lot of negative feedback, like, you're going to fail again, mm. like, you don't know what you're doing, you know, if you need to go sow some wild oats, do it, but, <laughs> you know, like, it was not, I didn't get a lot of, like, hey, yeah, you got this, like, you're going to do great, it was a lot of negative, like, you're going to fail, mm. you're an idiot type we've, stuff. So we've heard this, we've done a lot of these uh, podcast interviews, and we've heard this story a bunch of times, Yeah, and that, you know, these entrepreneurs at heart, the ones that are it's in their blood that just fuels them so when yeah. you heard that did it just fuel you yeah that the, it's funny you say that because and the guys that like said that stuff like i love those guys and I'm, I'm on great terms with all of them but i actually screenshotted like all of their text messages <laughs> i have them on my phone still <laughs> i have an album that's like motivation it's like just their text um that's hilarious and uh you know i like one of one of my managers said, like you will not make more, you know, over there. I guarantee it. You know, things like that. And I think I created like I created a poster. I printed it out and I like put it on my door in my <laughs> office. So every time the door shut, like I saw it, and it's like every time I was like having a bad day or whatever, I would just look at it and be like, okay, yeah, like <laughs> I gotta step it up because. If I go I crawling back wrong. to Vivid, yeah. like they're gonna they're gonna say "told twice. you so." No so way. it was super motivating. It like really pushed me um, to keep going. But kind of lost where I was in the story. You should probably um, copyright those posters and start selling those. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I think everybody has those moments though, where like know, you yeah, know, especially true. all the entrepreneurs that that uh, we've interviewed, and probably the ones that are listening in have had that moment where it's like, no, you can't do that. Or it's that fear talking where it's like, well, what if mm-hmm. I do fail, you know? And so the fact that you like burned your boats and you know, yeah. whatever, even mentally you were like, I can't go back. You know, this yeah. has to succeed. It was, yeah, I was, yeah, that's cool. yeah I was either going to sink or yeah, I had to, I had to figure it out. Um, so in a way I credit them. Like they really, really helped me do it. Um, and now when I talk to them, they're like, dude, so amazing. Like what you did and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what they say in the moment. And I probably would have said the same thing. But, you know, after they saw me do it, it's, you know, they're they're happy about it. And they think it's great. So, so was it just, in, sorry, yeah, AJ, no, was it just ahead, instant su- success, like Lyft 2.0? Did it just start off, you had it all lined up? Or were there, like, bumps in the road? Or, like, t- take us well, through I, that I process. think I mentioned yeah. some of the bumps already, right, that I went through. But then, um, like I said, I think the, the changing point for me when I, cause I get asked this a lot, you know, but I think what changed for me was I decided to look for partnerships. So, and, and try to be fair before I wasn't 
I wasn't being fair. I was, you know, how can I maximize? It was like a give and take this time as yeah. opposed to just taking. And so when I sat down with this install company, you know, they, they had people like me that were selling for them already that were completely taking advantage of them like I was before, you know, with these other companies. And I said, hey, here's what, I, here's what I'm worth and, and here's the value I can bring. And I think that this is fair. And I think that this will help you and, and in return, it'll help me. And even in that first meeting, they were just blown away, right? At like, that I was willing to take less to, to make sure that their company was healthy, had good margins, mm-hmm. and that we could have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that's what started it. Because about three months into working with them, um, was when they approached me and they offered me half of their company. So they, they were uh, an install construction half company. Half of their solar company? Half of their solar company. Wow. So they said, hey, you know, we'd like to make you a partner, give you 50% in the company. You know, what's ours is yours. Like, we we want to grow together. You know, you've been really fair. What was their strategy? Was that because they just didn't have that sales arm and they're like, this is the way to yeah. bring it in-house? Kind yeah, of so a lot or? of these, you know, install companies, they, uh, they're construction people. It's mm-hmm. construction. Um, so they don't have the sales volume. They don't know how to bring on the sales volume or recruit. And the by people, the way, how did you recruit? How are you doing that? Um, I mean, just, just the way you think it is just talking to people, you know, the same way that people, anyone else is, you know, every time you go to dinner, got recruited, <laughs> same way I got recruited, wine and dine, <laughs> golf tickets, yeah. Ski tickets. And I was recruiting a lot of people from Utah. Okay. And I had actually just brought on um, a, a business partner that was, you know, a friend of mine um, who had, had some salespeople. And um, so I had a, we had a lot of people, salespeople coming from Utah and traveling to California and working with us and then coming back. And it was working really well. So we ended up deciding to, you know, partner with this install partner that we had and things were going well and um, they changed their name to Lift Energy and all of a sudden the truck said Lift Energy and the contract said Lift Energy and everything was Lift Energy at that point and you know I got obviously more involved with Mm -hmm. the operations of the business and you know everything that comes with being a business owner wasn't just doing sales anymore. yeah, that's how, that's kind of how Lyft got started. Um, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like, you know, just immediate success. You know, like we did have a business partner that we had to, um, buy out and things like that. And there was a lot that we had to learn. I think the, the hardest part was going from, you know, we grew about 300% that first year. Mm. So we went from doing, well, this install company that, that I was using was doing like 10 to 15 installs a month, you know, which isn't much. And then we were doing, you know, a hundred a month, you know, like within three to four months. So that was pretty difficult, like taking on that growth. And what does that mean in revenue numbers roughly? Um, you know, each solar account, you know, revenue is going to be about 35, $40,000. Okay. So, and, you know, and then you, you've really got to plan ahead too. You know, when you buy a container of solar panels, you're spending a half a million dollars on panels for jobs you're going to do, you know, a month from now. And just the cash flow that you got to have to be able to um, make that investment 
um, it it was very tight that 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 year one. But once you get past, you know, year one and that that going from fourteen to a hundred, it's a lot easier to go from two hundred to three hundred than it is to go from fourteen to a hundred. For sure, very different. You have a lot of systems in place, processes, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So it. <clears throat> Year two was that, a lot easier. We call that scale, scalability. Yeah. Able to scale. Yeah. So it's, I mean, year one, we didn't have a CRM. You know, we, like, there was a lot of things we were, we were doing ourselves, you know. Um, sometimes we were even installing the panels, hopping up on the roof and stuff like that. But, you know, as you get bigger and as you get systems and processes in place, you can kind of step away from things. And yeah. It gets, it gets a lot easier um, in that aspect. So. So then you got acquired. Then you had an exit. Is that right? Yeah. Um, that, uh, well, <clears throat> we made a decision in year two to move, move like our headquarters to Utah mm-hmm. so that we could recruit salespeople easier. And then actually another big reason is we wanted to have, you know, better talent just with our employees and our, our op side as well. Um, you know, we figured we could recruit a lot of people to come, not just sell for us, but work for us out of, you know, Utah County and Salt Lake County. So we decided to move to Utah. We had, I think the the cool part is we had a lot of employees follow us, you know, almost all of them that were working with us decided to move to Utah mm-hmm. and, and work with us. So that was, that was fun. Um, and you moved your headquarters to Lehigh. Yeah. To Lehigh in the nature sunshine building right there at the point of the mountain. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, we moved out here, started going, and our sales really started to pick up once we got here. Like, it was the right move. Um, it was real easy at that point to bring a guy in, sit down with him, you know, talk with him. You know, Jordan and I would do a lot of the recruiting. He was my other business partner, um, you know, and talk to him about solar and how it works and plug him in, get him on board, and get him out there as soon as possible. So we weren't doing a summer model. We would send guys out for – seven to 10 days, you know, and then bring them back and, and whatnot. So yeah, sales really picked up when we did that. And as far as the, so you were sending them out across the country. You weren't just having, we were sending them to California only. So we were only operating in California. That was our only market. You know, we had opened up offices in San Diego, um, Riverside area, and then Bakersfield and Fresno. Those were our like four hubs that we had in California. So yeah, what we liked about that model was we were able to decide where we were sending guys to, to get our sales versus, you know, hiring sales dealers in California. You just kind of took the sales wherever, wherever they got them. So by recruiting them here in Utah and then sending them to a city, you know, it really helped us on our operation side and cost because we could, yeah, we're, sen- we're sending them to Fresno, and that's where we need the volume, and we know how how many crews we need and, and all that stuff versus kind of like where are the sales coming from this week and sending people everywhere. So, yeah, Utah, Utah, I believe, was the right move for us. And, and then, yeah, it helped us make more connections. Mm-hmm. So we, we uh, yeah, we, <clears throat> we met a company called Smart Energy Today that, was looking to do a merger acquisition and go 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 the private equity route. So, you know, we went through conversations with them 
and we ended up selling the company um, to to what is now today known as Lumio, and Lumio is Lift Energy, um, DECA, a company out of Texas, Atlantic Key Energy out of Florida, and Smart Energy today out of Washington. Those are the four companies wow. that make up Lumio. So that was... Congrats on that exit so early on. That's great. Yeah, an exit it was for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we'll call it that. Um, yeah, it was a process. It took like a year to sell the company, I guess. Um, so did they just approach you? Like you weren't looking to sell. No, we weren't looking to sell. We were... And, you know, we can, we can, we can talk more about, you know, the, the buyout, but I think it's really important. Like, I don't know, like your audience, I think, is entrepreneurs. And I think that mm-hmm. y- you have to enjoy what you're doing. Like, we were having fun. Like, we were enjoying. Like, I loved going to work every day. Oh, it's about that fun. Yeah, I mean, it was just. What was that like? It, obviously, we were having success, so that's fun. But, yeah. I mean, you know, we guys were making good income. We were employing tons of people. Um, you know, things were working out in the business. We were growing. Um, you know, we were going on trips together. Um, it was every day we were coming in just, Hey, how can we be a little bit better? How can we improve? Um, sounds like you built a fantastic culture. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was a lot of fun and, and it was also fun kind of proving like, you know what I mean? We started, we were starting to get recognized, like Lyft was a thing and, and it, and it was, so that was fun. You know, I enjoyed that part. Um, so yeah, like just enjoyed what I did, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I think that's, you know, really important. If you're going to start a company, if you're going to do it, you got to enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. And if you don't enjoy it, then it's going to be really miserable because it's really hard at the same time. But Sure. Yeah, I'd say that's how we felt about it. Gosh, that's really exciting. That sounds so, uh, it sounds like you built a great culture. Everyone was loving coming to work. You probably had the foosball tables and all that fun stuff that everyone does, right? Yeah, ping pong. Ping pong. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> now it's pickleball. So Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, tell us about, uh, we want to hear a little bit about the merger experience and what you learned from that experience and maybe things that went really well and things that if you had to do it again, you would do it different. That's a great question. <laughs> um I learned a lot. I'd say it was a very expensive education for me and my business partners. Um, I'm happy that it happened. I'm, I'm happy that we went through it. It was probably the hard, like the merger part of last year was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. So it just happened. It just happened. Yeah. Oh, we just okay. closed in December. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. This is fresh. So um, I'd say, you know, they do due diligence on your business. They, they come in, and they do also quality of earnings. So they come in and they just, they lift up everything. your skirt and they look at everything, you know. So um, it's a lot, you know, just when you think you've answered everything or you've given them everything, they want more or they want to see something again. Um, it makes buying a house look simple, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, buying a car, that's the worst experience ever, buying a car. <laughs> right. But there like... You you know, and then, and then, you know, three months goes by and then because three months has gone by, they got to go back and look at a lot of things. And it's, 
and it, it's a very distracting process. Yeah. So I'd say like, if you're, if you're going to sell your company, you're going to go through a merger and acquisition. You really, you really want to ask yourself, like, do I want to do this? Mm. And then, and then just understand that it's going to take you away from your business and it's going to be distracting. Yeah. So you got to know, Hey, do I want to do this for sure? Mm-hmm. Before you really even begin the process. Um, and I'd say if I could go back, the biggest thing that I would do differently is I would wait until everything was final before, um, you know, telling the world that we were, mm. you know, all one company. I think that was a mistake we made. Um, premature celebration. Premature celebration. Yeah. A lot of, <clears throat> um, you know, everyone knew was talking about Lumio before, you know, six months before Lumio even existed. Um, so that, that would be what I would do. I would, Good advice. it puts you in a situation where it puts you in some, in some areas like negotiations, it puts you in a weird spot yeah. with your employees that are, you know, expecting this future change and, and plans to happen, puts you in a, in a weird situation there. Um, so yeah, I would, I would wait until everything was finalized mm. and, and advice, in, yeah. in writing before telling, telling the world, you know, what you're doing. That's what I learned. So was the merger and acquisition the hardest thing you went through? Uh, as a business owner? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Like um, emotionally just, yeah, it's super draining. Um, especially the fact that, you know, I think there's one thing if you sell your business, I, I actually think that would be easy, but we, that, that was the easy part. We were merging and we merged well before we closed. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, we were working together, doing things together, paying for things was there together. A culture mismatch in some instances. Um, what? The culture is actually pretty good. That was probably the easy part about it. But I mean, you've got four different companies mm. that all do things differently. Yeah, they all think they're right, right? And mm. so it's like it was tough. Um, can you talk you know, numbers at all, or is it totally? It yeah. Private? So we, I mean, I can talk about Lyft. Um, you know, Lyft had, we had a six, about a six and a half million uh, dollar EBITDA. Mm-hmm. What's funny is like, I didn't even know what EBITDA was until <laughs> we started having these conversations, right? I didn't go to school for finance, but, mm-hmm. um, and so we <clears throat> initially, we were going to go to the private equity route, mm-hmm. um, where you can get, you know, eight, 10 X multiple on your, on your EBITDA. But <clears throat> we decided to keep all the equity inside the company with the employees and um, go raise debt instead. So we did a debt raise with a company called White Oak. Mm. And um, it was about a 3X multiple on the EBITDA of each company uh, is what the, it ended up being about 110 million that we raised. And so our payout was two and a half on our EBITDA and then the the remainder was equity. So Lyft got 12% equity in Lumio. So mm. that's, that's how we decided to do it. Um, and then obviously the goal was to, you know, grow the company, you know, not just stop there, um, and go do it again, go, go public is, was the big goal. So instead of just kind of selling and not knowing who we sold to and having someone else take over and being done, you know, 
what we were excited about was sure we'll get a little payday now, but we still are all involved and we're going to do something bigger together. And, um, you know, we wanted to take the company public. So that's, that's awesome. the grand vision behind it. So I know, I know enough about you to know that you've always got, you've got an entrepreneurial spirit. You've always got something in the work. So, mm-hmm. uh, outside of just the solar side, what else are you working on? So I'm starting a little soda shop or cookie shop. Um, There's called, a couple of those around here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a buddy of mine, uh, Cam Crandall, and if anybody's listening to this, hit him up. But mm-hmm. he does uh, the soda mix. Um, you know, he opened up one, and so I'm opening up one in Salem, which is where I grew up. Um, so it's kind of, it's basically like a crumble cookie, but better. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, like sodas and whatnot. So we're working on that. That's almost done. Um, I think we'll be up and running in probably the next three months. Um, oh, we should have so waited yeah. to have him on the podcast. So it was open. So he could have brought cookies. I know. Yeah, what yeah. were we yeah. thinking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're How will it be it? different than those? I mean, that, that, the challenge with those is they're all starting to look the same and mesh into one. Right. So how, yeah. how are you going to differentiate that? I think the thing that's worrying me the most about the cookie thing is, is me because I'm looking at this cookie business and I'm like, this is easy. Like, <laughs> We've been putting solar panels on people's roofs and redoing their roof and dealing with, you know, customers and stuff and trying to for like 90 to 120 days and trying to get paid. And I'm looking at this, like bake a cookie and sell it for four bucks. You know, it's like, I'm thinking it's super easy and I'm sure it's going to have tons of challenges, but to me right now, it's just looking really simple. So <clears throat> Maybe I'm, I need to take a little more serious, but, um, I think that in Salem we've got, there's a soda, soda, not a soda, delicious, a fizz down the road. And then there's a soda retreat. We're like right in the middle and they're really close. They're like, <laughs> they're like a half a mile in each direction. Um, but I think what's different about what we're doing is the cookies. That's what, you know, the, the cookies even in our logo and, you know, we put cookies on the side of the building. So. Um, yeah, it's mixed sodas. So we're competing with soda delicious and fizz and swig and whatnot. But in reality, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make money with the cookies. Mm. So it's more of like a crumble. It's more like a crumble than it is a soda shop. And I mm. think, I think if we can get people in Salem to recognize that it's cookies and it's like the only cookie place in town, then it should be pretty Pretty yeah. simple. I think all we'll have to do is tell Mike that he can't make money doing that, and then he'll find a way to do it. <laughs> yeah, Never exactly. Gonna happen, Mike. Maybe Never we should happen. send him a text. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, I think that's but actually... Make sure to make it into a poster, will you? <laughs> I think that's actually kind of is because everybody we've talked to, whether it was the landlord or the guy doing our build-out, both of them were like, you you realize there's like two soda shops in town. <laughs> I'm sure everyone... And I'm like, yeah, we know. <laughs> like, yeah, we know. I'm excited to see how you differentiate and make it yeah. unique. Kind of well, Mike said that the cookies are way better. I don't believe it until I try them. So. <laughs> Wasn't me. We had a we had a um, a class from Georgia Tech that like took on the soda mix as like a class quarter or semester project, mm-hmm. and they flew out to Blackfoot, Idaho, where the first one is, and they tested like every cookie and soda shop on their way down from Idaho to Salem, and uh, they they said that ours were the best. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Did you get that on testimonial? 
or a testimony. I didn't that. record that, but oh, I should. Oh, you need to go back and record that. <laughs> It'll that's, have to be on the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right there. But they said that their next favorite was Crumble, so they're very similar to Crumble um, cool. in their taste and style. So, Mike, we'll, we're going to start wrapping up here. Who is your, uh, who's your inspiration? Who do you look up to as far as uh, your, your icon that you follow and you're inspired by? Oh, um, honestly, it's more like, I don't have like a famous person or, or, a anyone or, a any, anyone like that, that I really follow or look up to. It's more, you know, people that are close to me. Um, I'd say my father-in-law is actually probably the person I looked up to the most. Um, super impressive guy. He's a, he's a pilot for, um, Southwest Airlines. But, yeah, he's just a good family man, um, never gets upset, just, you that know. That is a good guy. Wow. Yeah. He's always interested in what everyone else is doing and cool. great to talk to. And I'd say that's who I look up to the most. I think that <clears throat> what he's kind of, he's kind of kept me grounded to where it's like, yeah, I'm always going with work and work, 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 work. And just kind of when I get around him, he kind of makes it brings you back down like hey this is what's most important you know family and and uh yeah that's that's it that'd be it for me so uh we have a lot of probably young listeners young entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. um you've kind of been from the beginning to the end um taking it from starting a company with a couple partners to an exit um what looking back at that whole process and, and kind of, as you've, as you've looked back and thought about it, what's maybe one lesson or takeaway that you would share with, um, people that are in the beginning stages right now? Uh, I'd say commit to it and get your wife on board. Mm. Um, or spouse, or or spouse, sorry. Yeah. Spouse, um, make sure that he or she, um, knows how important it is to you, make it important to them. Um, and then I would, I would say the biggest advice is you, you just, in my opinion, you got to enjoy it. If you don't, if you don't love what you're doing, if you're just doing it for the money or cause you think it's a, an easy way to make money, you, it might not be worth it. Um, so that would, that'd be the biggest advice that I have. We've got that similar advice from, Great advice. uh, from others. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's pretty consistent that yeah, like they that. say, if your spouse is not invested in this, it's going to be really hard for you to be successful. Yeah. It is. I, I mean, there's so many nights that you're just up on the computer or on the phone talking to people, um, you know, when something goes wrong, it comes to you right? Like it's, it's a stressful thing. So, you know, there's a lot of time if you're running a business that gets taken away from your family, you don't, you don't clock in at nine and clock out at five. It's mm-hmm. you're clocked in the midnight mm-hmm. founder. Yeah, exactly. Midnight the midnight founder. founder. It's, it's a real thing. Like if you're running a business, you are constantly on the clock. You're cl- constantly working that Sunday, Saturday, right? It's not, yeah. it's not a day off or when you're on vacation, it's, you got to be present. So, and you'll never hear the saying, which I heard today. That's not my job. I mean, that doesn't exist, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, 
you get to do every job. That's right. Yeah. You have to do every job sometimes. Yep. Well, Mike, uh, it was a pleasure uh, getting to know you a little bit better. I, I mean, I've known you for a while, and there's a lot of stuff that I'd never heard before. So, so I think there's some uh, some good info info there. Sean only tells him the bad stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I hear I hear lots of stuff. That's funny. Uh, but I'm excited to see you know what's to come, and and congratulations on the the success you've had so far, and and good luck with the soda mix. We'll we'll be excited to try some cookies soon. How do customers reach out and find you? Well, it's going to open up. Um, it's right across the street from the fast gas in Salem. If you live in Salem, you can't miss it. It'll be, I'll just say that. Yeah, it's going to be. Will you have an online right component there. or anything or is it just in person? Um, I think we're going to be in DoorDash and then, yeah, we'll have a, we'll have a website where you can like click on the cookies and it drops into the box and have it delivered. So are you on LinkedIn? It'll be thesodamix.com. Um, I don't know if we're on LinkedIn yet. What about you personally? Instagram. Me? Yeah, I am. So they can find you on LinkedIn? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I look very different. I look more professional. You, you no <laughs> hat. My hair's combed. Yeah, I think you're more trustworthy like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You said come as you. So yeah. like this exactly. is also how I went to work every day. So That's great. There you. you go. Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> One of the things I told the bank when I started was I wasn't going to wear a tie. So... And he's been true to it. I've never yeah. seen Jake wear it. Really? Yeah. So I don't you, wear You wear those golf blazers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wear a polo and I wear these uh, golf shirts. And, and so I had a meeting today with somebody at the bank and I told him that he had to take his tie off. <laughs> so like we, we went to a lunch with somebody and the other banker that was with me took his tie off. And so, yeah, changing yeah. the culture at the bank. No tie. <laughs> no tie. So I like The, I like the tie it. is going away. I've noticed. Yeah, yeah it it's is. fading. Enough. Okay, thanks, Mike. Mike. It's been a pleasure. Good luck, guys. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.